0: The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy. with Nissan on News Talk. Been a busy day at Cabinet today. Our political correspondent Sean Defoe joins us uh, now. Sean, how are you? Good, Anton, and you? Very good. Listen, we might start with a bit of good news for once. Hospital charges.
1: Yeah, that's right. So inpatient charges, this is something that the government had flagged before, and I no doubt will announce many times again, but the uh, legislation went to the Cabinet today to abolish inpatient charges. That's a charge of up to €80 a day. If you need inpatient or day services, or need to stay overnight in the hospital and you don't have a medical card. It's capped at a maximum of €800 a year, but now it is going to be scrapped uh, for all adults. So last year it was scrapped for children under 16 and for obviously medical card holders and others. And now that legislation is going to progress through the Oireachtas for every body. Likely, it's probably going to come into effect from April onwards. only about a, a month or a little more to go.
0: It didn't strike me as something that there was significant political pressure on, or have I been missing it?
1: No, it's been sort of part of Like, Stephen Donnelly has been quite interested in this. Uh, basically trying to make uh, as much as it can be public care free when it can be and obviously look there comes a the big caveat that there are all these sort of sneaky charges you right, like that you only really discover that maybe your insurance doesn't cover or maybe that you, you need to pay when you actually get into trouble and what Stephen Donnelly has been about is trying to make it free as much as he can uh, either through the inpatient charges in hospitals both for children and then now for adults but also through the likes of free GP cards this one is uh, significantly easier to do than the free GP cards because obviously they can just provide government money for it whereas it's a little bit more difficult with GP supply
0: there's also um, uh, uh, apparently going to be an inquiry into allegations of historical sexual abuse in schools, much well, significantly broader than it might have been.
1: Yeah, so this is, it was brought by Minister Nora Foley, one of two fairly significant memos that she brought, the other one being reform of the primary school curriculum, which is going to be launched in a bit more detail later on in the week. But this is a scoping inquiry into allegations of historical sexual abuse. It's going to be across uh, schools and various religious orders, obviously, are coming to attention recently because of the allegations that school runs uh, by the Spiritans, formerly the, the Holy Ghost Fathers, including Black Rock, uh, Rockwell College and Temple Oak College, uh, those dating back to the, the 60s and 70s. In some cases, it's going to be chaired by Senior Counsel Mary O'Toole and it is going to be sort of a launching off point nearly, if you like, it is going to be a process that talks to a lot of the survivors of this, talks through their allegations and find out basically what they want to happen next. They aren't going to be asked at this stage to give testimony, but they are going to be asked what they would like to see. It's going to look at the likes of, of Redress, whether or not that is uh, is appropriate and what the best for and perhaps uh, forgetting the stories for these people and seeking some sort of restorative justice. Obviously, With a lot of these cases the perpetrators are are now dead and so there is a limit if you like to the amount of justice that can be got but I think what the Scoping Inquiry is trying to find out is what they what those survivors would like to see next how they would like to be acknowledged and what can possibly be done I suppose to make up for the experiences that they very unfortunately went through.
0: And of course one of the challenges with a commission like this is keeping the terms of reference sufficiently broad that they deliver what's needed but tight that it doesn't become an un ending series of commissions and investigations I mean you look at something of the scale of a Lafoy and then Orion that went on for as long as it did have we any sense of whether or not this is going to be something we'll still be hearing about 5 years down the track
1: well, eight months is the timeline that they put on for this to report back. So, you know, that's take that with a pinch of salt and that it, they often get extended to, to 10 months to a year to even longer. But I think there is a something of a body of work for the scoping inquiry to fall back on in the likes of the Ferns report and other uh, inquiries or, or commissions of investigation that have happened in the past. There is a certain amount done there. You would hope it can, it can happen relatively quickly. But as ever, that asterisk that you mentioned comes up with things like this because what you want to keep quite narrow, has a way of snowballing. And
0: lastly then, Sean, of course, the big news of the day, the eviction ban is not going to be continued.
1: No, it's not, and this has gone down like an absolute lead balloon uh, politically, not only but in some of the government circles, but particularly with the opposition, uh, the government getting absolutely savaged for this uh, with opposition parties saying it's incomprehensible to do it, that it is definitely going to lead to an increase in homelessness, and in fact Minister Daryl O'Brien uh, admitted as much to me earlier at the press conference, I asked him, is this going to lead short-term to an increase in homelessness, and he said yes, that's a, a very real possibility, particularly of Ryan in the door, saying they're not doing this for the short term, they're doing it for the medium and long-term because no new landlords are coming into the market. And ultimately, that would prove a much bigger problem. Uh, they have been talking as well about the different supports that they're going to bring in. So like, for example, one of the options is that tenants, if the house is being sold from under them, will be given a right of first refusal. Now, that sounds fine on paper, but if people had were in the position to buy a house, they very likely wouldn't be renting anyway. So that's, you know, somewhat of a fig leaf, I think, covering things up. And it's been it led to some pretty serious comments from members of the opposition, most notably one Mick Barry who did encourage it in a clip with me a little bit earlier a certain amount of civil disobedience on it. I would say to any renter
2: who faces an eviction and it's an eviction into homelessness don't just walk away from your property don't just walk away into homelessness stand your ground refuse to go
0: that was Sean Defoe, there, News Talks political correspondent, reporting on the news from the cabinet today. And that last clip, uh, Mick Barry, uh, suggesting that people should refuse to be evicted and refuse to leave their properties. Just some of the kind of reaction that there has been to the uh, decision by not so much by cabinet but by the three party leaders not to continue the eviction ban and one of the people within government who has been most vocal in their disappointment has been Nessa Harrigan the Green Party TD and party's finance and health spokesman because she has been um, saying that it, it it flies in the face of established Green Party policy and she's uh, with us now um, and Nessa Harrigan you maintain that your own party leader effectively going along with this decision flies in the face of both Green Party ideology and policy?
2: Yes, I do. Um, I think, first of all, it's it's the wrong decision in terms of keeping p- people in their homes and protecting them during a housing crisis. Um, but I also believe that, um, you know, the Green Party has very clear policies around this. And n- n- not too long ago in the last month or two, um, the party's policy council, which is made up of our grassroots members, reaffirmed their commitment to the idea of an eviction ban on a short-term basis. And this absolutely flies in the face of that. And, you know, it does make me question, was there anybody in that room reflecting those more compassionate Green Party policies so why um, do you in the discussion?
0: think why do you think Eamon Ryan betrayed those policies?
2: Well, betrayal is your word, not my word. <laughs> but well, well, I, I, I how do, do you think this is a, when Gale... a
0: What word do you use it when a party leader knows that there, in your view, knows that there is an express set of policies that match with the party I- ideology and he decides not to follow them or that ideology, that waddles and quacks like a betrayal.
2: I I can't know what Eamon Ryan is thinking when he makes these decisions, but I do know what our party policy is, and I do know what members are saying to me today, and I do know what would be right for my constituents in Dublin Central. I I do know that in in this time next month, there will be more people who are facing homelessness than there are today. And that is directly as a result of, of the eviction ban being lifted. I do know that while we had the eviction ban, there was a chance to take all sorts of measures to protect tenants, but also to make the sector more viable for um, um, or sorry, for, for, for landlords who, who might have one or two homes. Um, and we didn't do any of those things. And the housing minister didn't do any of those things. And those, the, the three party leaders who sat in that room... You know, don't have to sit in my constituency clinics and deal with people who are, are facing homelessness and, and, you know, children who will have to be taken out of school and, and all the disruption that comes with losing your home. I, I I find it very hard to believe that this could be possibly, you know, proposed as a reasonable way of dealing with the housing crisis.
0: Well, the Green, um, the Green Party has classically um, prided itself on being egalitarian. I assume you're able to access your party leader and put these questions to him. Have you done that? And if so, what has he said?
2: I haven't been able to do that today, unfortunately. And obviously, this decision, I, I, I'm not only worried by the decision, but also the process of the decision making. So, what we see in this government is the three leaders of the party go into a room and they make all sorts of decisions, and then they come out, and the cabinet seems to rubber stamp it. And I, I'm not party to what the discussion in that room is. I'm not sure the cabinet is party to it either. But I do know that what comes out of that room in this regard is not representative of Green Party policy. And I know we're a minority party, but we should also have our values reflected in the decisions of this government.
0: It seems extraordinary that you would have been so vocal, as you have been all day on this. And yesterday. And that your own party leader doesn't reach out to you.
2: Well, I suppose, look, I'm always wary in this discussion of getting into kind of the interpersonal Um, Part of the, the Green Party. And I would like to keep the discussion on homelessness and on people who are facing eviction. This is no-fault eviction we're talking about. This is not people who aren't paying their rent. This is not people, you know, who are engaging in antisocial behaviour. These are people who, you know, maybe their landlord wants to sell the property or maybe their landlord wants to move into the property themselves. There was a raft of things we could have done to make this decision better. Except, we could see, have introduced the, the reason
0: I, I'm not harping on, on the inter interrelationships, more that I think people listening to this will say, well, okay, if that is the way that Nasa Harrigan felt, And if, as she says, that's party policy and that's what her parliamentary party had signed up to, how do you end up in a position where the party leader goes off on a solo run and then doesn't explain himself to his close colleagues? That seems extraordinary.
2: That is the way the coalition operates at the moment. Leaders go into a room, three leaders, three men, and they make the decision. And really, a backbencher doesn't have any say in that. And you either take the whip and accept it or you don't. And, And that is the nature of... Um, Irish democracy at the moment. I mean, we can have a long conversation about, like, the failures of the three, three-line whip in Ireland and, and the way it constrains democracy. That won't help anybody stay in their home in the next 30 days.
0: Were you tempted not to take the whip?
2: Unfortunately, in this instance, the one lever I have, which is my vote, uh, we don't have because it's legislation that stands and it will lapse um, but certainly what I can do is make very clear to both our own members and the public what our party policy actually is and when it is being abandoned.
0: To what extent is your party policy and your view on that policy rooted on data and to what extent is it rooted in what seems like the right thing to do? Because it's hard to find good rock hard solid stats for the eviction ban having made much of a difference.
2: Well, You know, I think that's a really fair point because we do see a a drift, like an increase in um, homelessness figures despite the eviction ban. And we are seeing small landlords um, move out of the sector. But the reality is is that, you know, those coalition leaders are betting that this won't add to the homelessness figures and they're betting with people's lives. And in the meantime, in the six months that we had of the eviction ban, we, we could have done serious actual structural work to the construction sector, to um, the housing sector, to make make that jump in figures less likely. Like, there are no hotel rooms left in Dublin Central that that we can put people in. There are no more B&Bs. They are all full. And it's damaging social cohesion now. It's damaging our sense of solidarity as a community. And and really, you know, it's very hard for me to to talk to my constituents and and defend that in any way.
0: And do you think the decision to some extent has been made to err in favour of an electorate that is more a Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael electorate than it is a green one?
2: Honestly, I do think that. I do think that there is a very real and genuine conversation to be had about how we support small-scale landlords to stay in the market. We could have done that by looking at prefer- preferential tax sub- subsidies linked to you know, more secure tenancies. We could have done that by you know, supporting them through the capital gains tax system if they sell to the state. There are a myriad of ways we could have made it work better for um, small-scale landlords, it sounds very much from what I'm hearing, and I am following Twitter and journalists the same as everybody else. I have no more information than anyone else. It seems very much like they proposed a huge tax break for landlords and no actual other policies in terms of protecting tenants, and that's just not good enough.
0: Would you like Eamon Ryan to come out and explain himself?
2: I would like to understand better how on earth I am meant to defend this to my constituents.
0: Green Party TD and party's finance and health spokesperson NASA Harrigan there. And we'll be talking later on to the Minister for Housing, Dara O'Brien. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.